Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mojo Five O. I have a dream. One day, this nation will Black men thinking. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. Black men thinking. Anytime you throw your weight behind a political party that controls two-thirds of the government and that party can't keep the promise that it made to you during election time and you are dumb enough to walk around continuing to identify yourself with that party, you're not only a chump, but you're a traitor to your race. Black men thinking. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. Black men thinking. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Black men thinking, thinking, thinking. Stanley Levy, Black Man Thinking, here on the vanguard of personal freedom, personal liberty, and personal responsibility, Mojo 50 Radio. Also, WDDQ Talk 92.1 FM in Valdosta, Georgia. WJHC Talk 107.5 North Florida Talk Radio. Freedom in America Radio.com. And WLBB News Talk AM 1330 and FM 106.3 in Carrollton, Georgia. Happy to be with you. So, for this entire first hour, I'm just going to be honest. Are you ready for some football? <laughs> I know that among people who are not left of center, not social justice warriors, etc. That answer is increasingly no. But there are a couple of events that happened uh, over the past week that not even for their total football value, so to speak, but for, but actually to be honest with you, for their political and social commentary value, actually occurred and they deserve some input 
even from someone like myself. I'm going to start with the Miles Garrett situation. Uh, I imagine many of you, if not most of you, now know the Thursday night NFL game between Pittsburgh and Cleveland, in Cleveland. At the very end of the game, with less than 10 seconds to play, an incident broke out between players on both teams, resulting in a fight and resulting in suspensions, which I thought was interesting. Reuters covered it, the outcome, in this little brief snippet, which was put out on the day after. Cleveland Browns defensive end Miles Garrett has been suspended indefinitely by the NFL League office following a violent helmet hit to the head by Garrett on Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph in the waning seconds of Thursday night's division game. Garrett, who Cleveland selected with the first overall draft pick in 2017, will miss the remainder of this year's regular season and postseason, and must meet with the commissioner's office prior to a decision on his reinstatement. Garrett was ejected after he ripped the helmet off Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph and proceeded to strike him in the head with it. The incident led to a skirmish between both teams. Pittsburgh's Marquise Pouncey, who punched and kicked at Garrett following the helmet attack, was suspended for three games, while Cleveland's Larry Ogunjobi was banned one game for pushing Rudolph to the ground. Both teams were also fined $250,000 each. From that, you get the impression that it was pretty much a one-sided thing. There was a fight broke out, and um, Miles Garrett took somebody's helmet off and, uh, and then swung at him, and then some other players got involved. And the NFL kind of went interesting. They, they, they went crazy. They fined and suspended folks willy-nilly. ESP, <laughs> um, I'm laughing because I actually saw the play. I didn't so much see it live. I was, I was kind of, I was doing some other things. I just happened to have the game on as kind of white noise in the background. And I saw the replay. And then when I then having actually have seen the play, seen the aftermath, seen the different angles from which it was filmed, and then to see the result with fines and suspensions, I'm like, what's going on here? Something's not adding up. ESPN, which is about as close to Mount Say Dung as you can get and still be reporting sports in the United States of America, had a summary of all that of the fallout, not the event, but of the fallout that occurred um, on Sunday on their ESPN NFL Sunday or NFL Countdown show. And this is how they reported on it. That came after. Let's go up to Adam and Moore. What, what more can you tell us, guys? Three players suspended on Friday and three players have appealed those suspensions and will have those appeals heard and ruled on by Wednesday morning at the latest. The joint appeals officers, Derek Brooks and James Thrash, will hear the appeals of Miles Garrett, Marquise Pouncey, and Larry Ogunjobi. This week, they will divvy up the assignments on Monday, then hear those appeals for what we saw on Thursday night, something that we've never before seen. And the uniqueness of these appeals is sometimes lost upon the people, is that people who are making a lot of these decisions are former NFL players, John Runyon and the NFL office, former offensive tackle, the appeals office. Both Derek Brooks and James Thrash, former players who are paid by both the union and the league. In the Miles Garrett case, they're going to anchor that to the indefinite suspension because they believe that the CBA does not allow for an indefinite suspension or an on-field incident. And oh, by the way, among players who will be fine, 
Mason Rudolph, the quarterback of the Steelers, is an automatic fine for fighting of about $35,000. And there are people who believe that Mason Rudolph helped instigate the incident on Thursday night. And not only will Mason Rudolph be fined, but so will a host of other players. There are going to be mass fines for players leaving the bench area. About 10 players, maybe more. The NFL is still sitting through the film. You see all the players pouring onto the field after the fight breaks out. There are fines in the NFL's fine schedule for that. And I would say at least 10 players, you can see them all there going onto the field. The NFL's been looking over that film, gathering together the numbers, jersey numbers of the players who poured onto the field. And not only will Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi and Mason Rudolph get fines for that night, but so will all the players who left the bench area, Sam. So the NFL is going to go whole hog on trying to uh, control people leaving the bench area and they're fining people. And uh, to their credit, because it simply is their right under the collective bargaining agreement, the three players who were fined, which was Miles Garrett, um, Derek Pouncey, and Larry Ogunjobi, um, the first and the last player both being defensive linemen for Cleveland, uh, everybody, says, everybody is appealing their sentence of suspension, or appealing their suspension, <laughs> forgive me. Uh, I, guess I guess they're appealing the fines as well. This is the first time that I had heard of any consequences befalling Mason Rudolph, who was the uh, Pittsburgh quarterback. So let's kind of recap here for a minute. A fight breaks out. Now, for those who didn't see the fight, I'm going to give you my honest opinion regarding what I saw. There was a play, it looked like it was a screen pass um, out out toward the flat and at the end of that play or toward the end of the play as Miles Mason Rudolph who was the uh, Pittsburgh quarterback was throwing the football Miles Garrett uh, wrapped him up and as he was tackling him that's when the throw was happening so Miles Garrett did not know that uh, Mason Rudolph had gotten rid of the ball and he proceeded to take him down to the ground in effect he fell on the ground and had Miles uh, had Mason Rudolph fall on top of him, and then he and then their positions reversed on the ground. For reasons I do not know, Mason Rudolph tried to remove Miles Garrett's helmet and was unsuccessful. Garrett proceeded to get up off the ground, and as he was being kicked in the groin area by Mason Rudolph, he succeeded in removing. Mason Rudolph's helmet. So now I have Miles Rudolph standing up and actually kind of pulling away because he because he because of the motion it was to take the helmet off. He's standing. Uh, Mason Rudolph is still on the ground, getting up from the ground. And as soon as the helmet comes off, two of the Pittsburgh offensive linemen come over to protect their quarterback. They don't they they don't come swinging, they don't come fighting. They come to Miles Garrett and they start to usher him away from uh, Mason Rudolph. And everything is relatively well in hand. The flag has already been thrown because the helmet actually got ripped off. For those who want to say that Miles Rudolph was flagged for a late hit, there was no flag for a late hit. The hit wasn't late. Referee was is always right there. He didn't throw a flag for that. He threw a flag when the helmet when the helmet came off. But as I said, after the helmet had come off, two Pittsburgh offensive linemen get involved and they separate Miles Garrett from Mason Rudolph and they have him under control. Everything looks like it's going to calm down. Then for reasons I still do not understand. 
Mason Rudolph, running as fast as I've ever seen him run in his life, goes tearing after Miles Garrett, pushing through his offensive lineman to again lay hands on Miles Garrett. Remember, he'd already tried to take his helmet off and wasn't successful. He's already kicked him in the groin. And now, after Miles Garrett has gotten away from him and been pushed away from him, he's coming after Miles Garrett again. At that point in time, Miles Garrett took the helmet that he still had in his hand and swung it over the top of the remaining uh, Pittsburgh lineman and connected with the top of Miles Garrett, I mean, with Mason Rudolph's head. Mason Rudolph's immediate reaction was to turn to the referees with his hands thrown up and wondering why there hadn't been a flag. I say that because there's a lot of speculation as to what could have happened versus what did happen. What could have happened is what a lot of people are focusing on and pointing to that as the basis for the suspensions. Let me recap the suspensions and the fines. Miles Garrett has been fined an undisclosed amount of money. I don't remember how much it is. And he's been suspended for the rest of the season. He's been suspended indefinitely. And he has to go see the commissioner before he can get back. He's, he's effectively out of the league. And he doesn't get back into the league until he can talk to Commissioner Goodell. Derek Pouncey, who came in after the helmet was swung, and after another Pittsburgh offensive lineman who was not fined, took Miles Garrett to the ground. Derek Pouncey came in and starts hitting and kicking uh, Miles Garrett in the head, of course he has his helmet on, while he's on the ground. He got three games and a fine. Larry Ogunjobi, who originally was not around when the initial incident occurred, but then by the time they throw his teammate Miles Garrett on the ground, these are the Pittsburgh guys who have him on the ground, he re-engages and pushes Miles Garrett in the back hard enough to put him on the ground. He got fined one game. He got suspended one game and, and was fined. Both the <laughs> Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers were fined a quarter of a million dollars each. The teams were fined. Let me recap. Miles Garrett was fined. Derek Pouncey was fined. Larry Ogunjobi was fined. The Cleveland Browns organization was fined. And all, the players I mentioned were all fined and suspended. The Cleveland Browns organization was fined. The Pittsburgh Steelers organization was fined. The only person who was not initially fined or suspended was Mason Rudolph. And there is no incident without him trying to take the helmet off of Miles Garrett and then kicking him in the groin. But he wasn't fined or suspended. What I found most interesting was the reaction of some of the um, talking heads. Well, let me back up or something, because we heard something that I, I, I just can't get away from. We'd never seen this before. I believe that was uh, Mort, um, uh, Mortensen, Mr. Mortensen from ESPN, saying we'd never seen this before. My question is this. Where were you guys in 2013? It's a real win. <laughs> 
Hello, Mets. Our new Canadians. Hey, everybody drink. They're fine. We're good. You like that? All right, welcome back to Fox Football Daily. As we promised, we have a little exclusive video here for you. This went on the other night between the Miami Dolphins and Houston Texans. They talk about player safety, Richie Incognito, and Antonio Smith. Watch what Antonio Smith does here at the end of the play. There's history between these guys. Oh, helmet comes off full on. Into Watch it again. Here you go, and the referee is right there and doesn't see it. We'll get Pereira's take on that. Oh, Bam! Wow. Gosh, wow. Wow. Again, that is... What happened was, this was a preseason game back in August of 2013 between Miami Dolphins and I believe it was the Houston Texans. Antonio Smith, it was a pass play. He was rushing and uh, Incognito was blocking. At the end of the play, something occurred. He rips Richie Incognito's helmet off and swings it with full power at his head, just missing. So when someone says, we've never seen anybody rip someone's helmet off and then use it as a weapon, are you suffering from amnesia or are you lying? Because there's video. This happened in 2013. Now here's another interesting thing. The 2019 NFL rule book. Rule 12, Section 2, Article 17, Use of Helmet as a Weapon. This is after the 2013 event with Richie Incognito. This is prior to the Thursday night game. So we've had several years for them to figure out exactly what they want to do in the case that a helmet, is, helmet comes off and is used against a player who doesn't, who, who doesn't have a helmet as a weapon. Article 17 reads, Use of helmet as a weapon. A player may not use a helmet that is no longer worn by anyone as a weapon to strike, swing at, or throw at an opponent. That sounds exactly like, like what they're talking about here. So you can say he swung at and struck the opponent. Here's the interesting thing that's in the rule book. Here is the penalty for that violation. For illegal use of helmet as a weapon, loss of 15 yards and automatic disqualification. If the foul is by the defense, it is also an automatic first down. I didn't say anything about a fine. I don't see anything about suspension. Disqualification from that is as far as it goes. So, why are all these people telling you these interesting stories that they've never seen this before? And the most interesting thing to me, I'm giving you a little mashup of all the talking heads on ESPN and how they weighed in. And it was interesting because only one person, and it wasn't the person you might think it would be, who came to the defense, if it were, of Miles Garrett, or more accurately, was questioning why there was, why there was not any scrutiny of Mason Rudolph. In all of your time in the league, and you saw a lot and accomplished a lot, you ever seen anything like this? Never seen. I've never seen anything like How that. How do you react to it? The brotherhood <clears throat> that is. How do you react to seeing a guy do that? I would have lost my mind. Well, there was a bunch of four-letter words that were coming out of my mouth watching this going, you got to be kidding me what I just saw. If I'm anybody in the Pittsburgh organization, the Rooney family, I'm not leaving Cleveland until we file charges. I don't care whether it's, it's misdemeanor or whatever it is. I'm filing charges because the intent of Miles Garrett when he took the helmet and he used it as a weapon, was to hurt Mason Rudolph. I think that on the football field, in the heat of the moment, what transpired, as egregious as it was, it should be specifically handled by the National Football League. I don't believe that law enforcement should get involved. Miles Garrett blacked out. He had to black out because anybody in their right mind that's been around this game as long as he has 
knows that that particular situation and what he did is that's that's damn near like a, a that's his career forever. Like people gonna talk about that forever. Usually when the helmet usually when the helmet comes off, everybody's like, "Whoa, right? Okay, we need to chill." But I mean, he just literally took his helmet and hit him upside the head. To me, that's like assault. Right. Right. That's that's the first thing I, I you know I said to myself was that's assault on the football field. But to make it sound like he went and assaulted me, he went and hunted this guy down and tried to hit him in the head with a helmet. That's not what happened. Mason Rudolph brought the helmets into it. Mason Rudolph pursued him when he was being restrained by by Mason Rudolph's teammates. And now Mason Rudolph is the victim. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. on. Hold on. Max, do you understand what could have happened in this particular situation? Because what I'm hearing from you is, a, is like a bunch of what about is what about what about, uh, you know, Mason Rudolph? Max, we're talking about a guy who could have been seriously injured or potentially killed in this particular situation with a weapon. Well, obviously, there needs to be a suspension because Mason Rudolph needs to be suspended at least a game. Let's start with that. He was the one who started the fight. I don't care what he, what he did. I don't care what he said. I don't care what happened between the play. We, as football players, we, as a part of the 1,600 players in that fraternity every year, we don't do that. Don't be stupid about this. What Miles did is inexplicable. He does need to sit the rest of the year. And if they took a, take a bunch of his money and make him sit next year, whatever. There is no question that he deserves to be suspended for the rest of the season. As a matter of fact, let me be state the, clearly for the record. I think Miles Garrett will be lucky if he doesn't get suspended for 14 games. Like, he's not quite that guy, right? This isn't Vontez Burfick. This isn't a guy that you would think. This is the dude they say loves dinosaurs and everything else. And he says he just snapped. He says he just lost it. But there's no circumstance under which you can take a helmet over your head and bring it down against somebody. It can't be that. I think everything was all right, even to the point where Miles Garrett took Rudolph by the face mask and lifted him up. Once he took the helmet off, if everything had stopped, everything would have been fine. You cannot be using the helmet like that. That's a helmet-to-head violent act. And it's going to cost Miles Garrett. Who knows? It could cost him into next season. But I think the NFL, in this case, did the right thing because that was an ugly way to end a nationally televised game. The suspension for Garrett makes sense. He's had a history of this in the league. And with the rest of the season only being six games, it definitely makes sense, even if they keep it at just the season. I agree with the fines for both teams. It was an embarrassing moment on national television. I agree with the fines for all the other ancillary players involved. But what I don't agree with is the lack of suspension for Mason Rudolph. I don't understand how when a person tries to remove a helmet of another player on the football field, in my opinion, the lone move that indicates you are willing to remove reasonability from all of the proceedings he doesn't get suspended for a game at least he didn't even get thrown out of that game he took another snap i don't understand that level of adjudication for somebody who put everybody in such a dangerous and harmful scenario and we saw how it played out even though garrett's behavior was completely abhorrent i was struck frank last night by the unanimity of players yes. and former players around the nfl starting with the first person i saw Keyshawn johnson on our airways i guess on sports center who said no 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 he's got to go away for a long time there wasn't anybody making an excuse or having Miles Garrett's back. He got clocked upside the head by a helmet because he charged after the guy who he's tried to remove his own helmet prior to. We can't just remove the safety element when so it comes that to equals, using it as a that equals attacking as we do the other person take it with a helmet. I'm not saying it equals it. I'm just saying that you don't. You are defending that position. To simply reciprocate. No, I'm defending the notion that if you're going to take a guy's helmet off and charge at him in a football field full of guys that are adrenaline rush, something insane might happen, and that's why you don't do that. Garrett, what Garrett did stands on its own in the category of stupid. He already had this reputation. There was a point where the guy led the league in sacks and penalties. We talked about on this show whether or not that was something the Browns were willing to deal with. Well, they were, and this is what you got. So I think he's got a much bigger hole to dig out of than people are necessarily willing to just admit. This is a pattern at this stage, and I think that that's very unfortunate for Garrett. Mason Rudolph, once again, when you end, and look, I'm not saying we can project what he was going to do once that helmet was off but what was he trying to do I, I don't know and in that moment miles garrett doesn't even know and he blew his top and this is what resulted so not defending miles garrett whatsoever but the rudolph situation just surprised there wasn't a game there
that was a montage of a bunch of reactions to the Cleveland incident where Miles Garrett got fined. Again, we've never seen this. You can't do this. Are any of these people, former players and the like, aware of the rules? And where was all this outrage when Richie Incognito was the guy whose helmet was ripped off and if he had not managed to show enough reflexes to get out of the way, he was going to really get hurt? I don't remember all these people saying that. Now, there were suspensions as a result uh, to Antonio Smith. I think that was his name. He was suspended because that was a preseason game in which that occurred. He was suspended two games, the rest of the preseason, and the first game of the regular season back in 2013. He didn't hit anybody, so he didn't hurt anybody, but he got suspended. Miles Garrett didn't hurt anybody, and he's getting suspended for the whole rest of the season. And all this speculation about what could have happened, as though the NFL is too dumb to figure that out when they put this all together. This is the penalty for illegal use of a helmet as a weapon. 15 yards, automatic disqualification. That's it. And I love to hear that he could have killed him. I've heard that. Guys, if somebody who's six foot six, two 270 pounds, and now has a weapon like a football helmet in their hand, is trying to hurt you by hitting you in the head with it, I don't think your immediate reaction was, is going to be, once contact is made, to turn to the referees and ask for a flag. He wasn't trying to hurt him. If he wanted to hurt him, he could have hurt him. And trying to penalize somebody for what might have been doesn't make sense. I'm going to come back on the other side and wrap this up and then go into the other topic I want to talk about with respect to are you ready for some football. Stanley Levy, Black Man Thinking, we'll be back right after this. Hi, it's Doc Thompson for Matthew 25 Ministries. Matthew 25 Ministries is one of the few charities I'll actually endorse because I know them. I've worked with them. And I know almost all of the money that you donate goes to help people. Go to m25m.org. m25m.org. Fast Track student loans can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop collection calls, and stop seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and get your student loan payments down to as little as $25 a month based on what you can afford to pay. 800-709-4395-800-709-4395-800-709-4395-800-709-4395. Hi there, Watson Prunier here from Battle for Freedom. Friedrich August von Hayek once stated, we must face the fact that the preservation of individual freedom is incompatible with a full satisfaction of our views of distributive justice. Battle for Freedom is about providing and proving that the fundamental principles of liberty go well beyond a political party. This is a middle-of-the-road point of view that tries to remain as unbiased as possible, with a few exceptions. Battle for Freedom airs Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Mojo 5 Radio, covering topics about truth, faith, politics, and more. Join me on Battle for Freedom as we explore how we can approach society in the best way possible while making all people free at no expense to the freedoms and liberties of our fellow Americans. 
having an extra supply of food on hand is just smart. Some people call it prepping. I call it smart. You never know what's going to happen in this world. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. You'll find out a lot of good reasons to have that food and some great prices. MyPatriotSupply.com. I'm thinking, just going to round out the uh, first part of this hour, which was talking about Miles Garrett, by saying this. You can't ignore the race angle. doesn't have anything to do with the incident itself. It has everything to do with the response of the league to the incident. Let me get this straight. In 2013, when a black player took off a white guy's helmet and really tried to hit him, barely missed, you suspended him for two games and one game in the regular season. You didn't You didn't tell me you couldn't participate in the whole 2013 campaign. That was a white guy trying to swing on a black guy. I got it. But there was nothing to indicate that that white guy actually instigated anything. Got it. And that seemed to be okay. Nobody had an incident with that. But then you come to 2019, act like that's never happened before. That's what you hear all the sports media saying. We've never seen this before. Yes, you have. But now you want to try to make it as though two things. One, you haven't seen it before. You have. Two, you don't already have a rule to to address it. You do. Max Kellerman, of all people, even brought that up on ESPN. <laughs> you have an Article 17 in Rule, in rule 12, Section 2, that says exactly what the punishment is for using a helmet as a weapon. So why in the world are you now going a well above and beyond that for this guy? And let me make sure I get this straight. Everybody who was suspended is black. The teams were even fined. They were punished. But in your initial judgment, the only entity that wasn't that that did not receive consequences was the individual who started the fight, who extended the fight, and who escalated the fight. And he's white. If there is not that disparity in the original handing out of consequences, there's absolutely no reason to bring race into it. Race wasn't brought into it in 2013. Well, they didn't punish Richie Incognito. Richie Incognito didn't do anything on the plane but try to do his job. Well, what a, Miles, look, Mason Rudolph, guilty of sin. But he didn't get the sinner's punishment. Miles Garrett did. He could have killed him if I would have, could have, should have. If he wanted to kill him, he'd be dead. He wasn't standing over him with his helmet, bashing him in the head repeatedly. He took a swing, hit the guy in the head. I mean, here's the thing gets me. If he was really trying to hurt him, wouldn't at least Mason Rudolph have been in concussion protocol? He was there asking for the referees to throw a flag. He even took another snap in the game. He's going to play next week. He's fine. 
And this is a guy, Mason Rudolph, who has been clocked and put in concussion protocol because he was knocked out cold. But this, come on, it's BS. And I don't think Mason, I think Mason Rudolph should be suspended. I think Mason Rudolph should be suspended for the same number of games that Miles Garrett is suspended. And I don't think Miles Garrett should miss more than two games. I can't see a reason for anything more than that. But I don't I'm I'm I, I believe football handles its own. I don't believe in the mommy approach that now has taken over the National Football League. On to the next topic. Colin Kaepernick. Whom I call the white woman's son. And I know pe- some people get upset with that. You know what? Let me get this straight. When you have a white birth mother, a white adoptive, uh, white adoptive mother, white adoptive father, two white adoptive siblings, and a pet tortoise, I have a hard time considering you black just because you're sleeping with an Arab woman. She's not black either. So I'm not trying to. You're not. Hold, you're not carrying any water for me as a black person when that's your background. Let's um. <laughs> get into this a little bit because for those who are not aware Colin Kaepernick had a workout where he could show his availability his uh, continued passing ability his quarterbacking ability for NFL teams who might be interested and this seemed to pop up kind of out of the blue I don't know who, obviously somebody was moving behind the scenes, but it just seemed to pop up. Stephen A. Smith had an interesting take on this on Friday, which was the day before the workout, where he was not necessarily as supportive or blindly supportive to Colin Kaepernick as some either might think he is or as they would be. 22 teams will show up on Saturday to watch Colin Kaepernick. Uh, he will be interviewed. He will not be asked about kneeling or protesting. That is what I have been told. I do understand where Damien is coming from, and I will defer to your knowledge, Damien, in terms of why not a Monday or Tuesday or even a Friday. Why is it Saturday afternoon? I'll defer to your level of expertise as a former NFL player and a two-time Super Bowl champion. I won't debate that. Here's where I will debate. Who says anybody owes Colin Kaepernick a damn thing? It's time we all grow up with this. This is the National Football League. You don't owe him a job. You don't have no mandate to employ him. If you don't like what an employee does and you decide that you want to move on from that employee, we've all been subjected to that. I've been fired before. I don't know if Max has been fired because he's so brilliant. I can't imagine such a thing happening to Max Kellerman. But I have been fired before, okay? It has happened. I know many, many people who have been fired before. I know that most of those people who have been fired felt it was egregious, it was unfair, and particularly if you are a black man, you usually believe that there's some kind of racial connotation attached to it. And, oh, by the way, I'll take it a step further. You're usually right. And so as a result of that reality, you knew that Colin Kaepernick taking the position that you took, that there was a price to be paid. How do we know this? You made a commercial out of it. Sometimes you sacrifice everything for the right thing. I'm paraphrasing here, but that was a commercial sponsored by Nike, which we applauded. And by the way, Nike stock rose because of it. We got a guy in Eric Reed in Carolina 
who, by the way, any black person should appreciate his position as well because he took a knee alongside Colin Kaepernick. So I'm not trying to cast any aspersions or disrespect Eric Reed in any way. Where my disgust comes in is I'm saying, wait a minute. You took a knee. You employed. You're castigating the NFL. You're getting a check from the NFL. Malcolm Jenkins is a sellout. Jay-Z's blackness is to be questioned, his intent, and all of this other stuff, even though you yourself, Eric Reed, acknowledge that Jay-Z has done a lot for the community. I've All I said was, I didn't sit up there and applaud Jay-Z's press conference with Roger Goodell. What I said is, has this brother not earned the right to step for us to step back and to see what he's doing or to or what he will do Look, if this man is going to be in a room with billionaire owners? Hold on, Max. With billionaire owners, how about putting it on pause and taking a moment to see what he's done? I have no doubt that Jay-Z and Rock Nation are a part of this. I have no doubt that they've taken the position, oh, this needs to happen. And I think when you take that into consideration, what is wrong, Damien, with us stepping back and going like this? Okay, this is unorthodox. The NFL has never had a workout for anything other than the scouting combine. They've never had a workout for an individual player. Is it possible that all of those teams want the shield to provide cover because they don't want to be called to the carpet for individually bringing Colin Kaepernick in, saying he's not good enough, not bringing him on board, and then getting castigated as racist or what have you? Is well, it possible they want to use the NFL well, that's, as cover? That, Let's find out. Well, Let's that's, find well, that's, out. Well, Let that's, show well, up. That, that's, that's what that's what I originally that's what I originally said was I felt like when this whole thing was announced that this was covered for teams that didn't want to step out individually as an organization I've been told to that, bring Damian. in to, I've to been bring told in that. Colin Kaepernick. Okay, but I, yeah, so that's what that. I said originally. But I also then I went back and started thinking like, okay, that whole le- the whole letter from Colin's camp. This, uh, the NFL, settlement thing you brought up was very interesting. Why did you think it could be a part of the settlement? Well, because like this whole thing just dropped out of out of nowhere. Think about this: this the, the Colin Kaepernick narrative or the yeah. story was gone. It was like yeah. bone dry. No one was talking about it. Then all of a sudden, out of the blue, boom! Colin like, Kaepernick has a workout on on this Saturday. But if it's a part of the settlement, what you're saying is Colin Kaepernick's in on this. That when with this whole collusion case, he agreed to this with the NFL. Like, go away for 10 weeks and then come back hey, and then we'll provide you By this the way, workout? There's a, there's a CBA looming, too, that, like, there's a lot of big pieces of business or legality that we may not be aware of that could motivate the NFL to think we better get this guy on a roster real quick or at least get him a look. I want to mention something to you, Stephen A. You said, why does we don't owe Colin Kaepernick anything? The NFL doesn't owe him anything. You know, lots of people have been fired for the, from a job. But Colin Kaepernick got fired from the league not because he couldn't do his job well enough, Right. He was at least one of the best 64 quarterbacks in the league and no one would even look at him. And not because he broke any rules. There was no rule saying you had to stand for the national anthem. Not because he broke any laws. Did you hear what I said earlier? That's the issue. Did you hear? Did you hear what I said earlier? What I said earlier is that I don't I said most black men, we believe that there's some kind of racial connotation or what have you behind our dismissals. And most of the time we're right. I said that Colin Kaepernick absolutely is a victim of that. We've all we've all acknowledged it. It was of no surprise to him, and we know it because he even made a commercial Wait, just, about no, no, it. I, I, At I, the I, end I, of the I'm day, I'm, I'm, I'm just, just want to close you, it with this. Ahead, I just want to close my point with this. I just want to close my point yeah. with this. Colin Kaepernick has all of our support. He has my support, but I'm going to say this loud and clear. You better show the hell up Saturday. You show up 
for that workout. The NFL, I don't give a damn what it is. I don't want any excuses. You've been sitting there putting videos out on social media. Evian, I saw him a few weeks ago in person. He looks in phenomenal shape like he can play right now. You've been practicing. You've been working out hours upon hours a day. I understand it's not ideal. There's, there's a little shadiness to it, like Damian said. It could be all of that. There is no excuse not to show up Saturday okay. for that workout. Look, look, show and, the and maybe hell they're, they're up. setting it up That's in a way what where I'm he's saying. not supposed to feel comfortable or do well or whatever. I'm talking about okay. what you said well, show about up. I'm talking about what you said about the sense of entitlement to a job or the fact that he's not owed a job. But I do think that what everyone in this country should be striving for is a place where you are judged on your merits, that if you can do the job and if you haven't broken mm -hmm. any rules and if you haven't broken mm -hmm. any laws, you will not be unfairly denied the right to work, essentially. Let's get into this on that if you're good enough to do the job bit. Because the supporters of the white woman's son, Colin Kaepernick, have kept trying to tell me and everyone, anyone else who will listen how good he is, how much better he is than other quarterbacks in the league. And every time someone goes down or there's some type of an opening or question about a quarterback opportunity for the last three years, you have heard pretty regularly until very recently, what about Kaepernick? Back in May of 2017, Somebody answered before anyone started asking afterward. They answered the question exactly about why not Kaepernick. Talk to GMs and coaches at the Combine. What did they have to say about Kaepernick? The subject, L came up in terms of Colin's decision to kneel for the, last summer, obviously, in, uh, in terms of the national anthem. They did come up, but not nearly to the degree uh, that we heard last summer, where it was rough. When I would talk to people last summer, like, I can't believe he did this. Why is he doing this? But people didn't really understand it then. Now it's more about football. Where is he at? In fact, two teams told me that if they were to bring him in, they want to know who he is, what he's, what's he going to be as a quarterback going forward at 29 years old, as you said. It's now more about football. But I think there's still a little bit of that, what happened last summer. I don't think there's any question about that. How much so? I can't tell you, but it's certainly been brought up. Jim, I know that you talked with some GMs just as early as yesterday about Cap. What they say? Yeah, I reached out to, to four GMs and two owners, people who I think are more progressive in terms of addressing an issue like this. Only one said he thought Cap was being blackballed. And then I said to him, are you serious? And he messaged me back and he said, why are you surprised? And I said, because all the other people I talked to say, turn on the tape. The tape is not good. And he said to me, well, there is that. So look, the bottom line with Cap is going into this, he was going to have a limited number of options anyway because of his skill set. He's not a guy who can work from the pocket. He's not accurate from the pocket. So you only have a handful of teams that would, number one, be inter interested in him. All of those teams aren't looking for starting quarterbacks. So now he's relegated to a backup uh, status. What kind of contract is he looking for then? Is he willing to accept that? Every one of these people I talk to say that his political views and his social activism are a factor, but they are not the factor for why he is not signed to this point. Need I remind people that in December of 2016, before that March 17th um, audio I just played for you, December 2016, Colin Kaepernick set a record for quarterback ineptitude against Chicago Bears where he was sacked five times and had only four passing yards and was benched. Five sacks. He was sa Remember, he's supposed to be one of the premier running quarterbacks whom the NFL has ever seen, and he got sacked five times. Couldn't escape the rush five times before getting benched and could only manage to get four passing yards. 
Here's the issue with Colin Kaepernick. Everybody's looking at his success. They're only looking at what he did from 2012 to 2014, where he was a rushing, he was an RPO, run-pass option sensation. Got him to the Super Bowl and lost. But ever since then, ever since then, he was, but even at that time, he was one of the least accurate quarterbacks. 60.1 completion percentage. That's not good anymore. That ranked him 23rd. In 2015 and 2016, Kaepernick ranked last among 35 NFL qualified passers in off-target percentage. He couldn't hit the target. His completion percentage dropped, completion percentage dropped to number 32. There's only 32 teams to, at 59.1. Still a good rusher. But he you heard it. He doesn't work well from the pocket. Well, we got folks now who don't throw I said, no. Um if you're talking about the quarterback for Baltimore, he works well in the pocket, he also runs. If you're talking about the quarterback for Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, he can work from the pocket, he'd rather work from the pocket. If you're talking about Deshaun Watson in Houston, he he works very well in the pocket. Colin Kaepernick can't hit the broadside of a barn with a bazooka from the inside from the pocket. They knew that in 2017. The, the decision makers knew that. They were watching the tape. You were watching his press conferences. You were watching Instagram. They were watching film. They were watching game film and said, this guy doesn't have it. And that's why they didn't pay him. So, <laughs> he had, bless his heart, his, he had his workout on Saturday, uh, the 15th, no, excuse me, Saturday was the 16th of November, and let's talk about the drama there was beforehand. It was supposed to happen at an NFL facility, the Falcons facility in the Atlanta area. Three hours before it was supposed to happen, he moved it. The NFL didn't move it, he moved it. So there were 20 some odd teams who, was, who, was, who had already committed saying, we're going to be there to watch this. And you heard beforehand the reason that they were doing it this way is, we're not going in one-on-one -on -one because everybody who's tried to go in and deal with you one-on-one, -on -one, when the deal fell through, they got dragged in social media and everywhere else. So, you know what? We're going to do it through the league. The league is going to set this up, and whoever's interested in this guy can come, and if somebody sees some merit in him, they can go ahead and sign him, and if it all blows up, it falls on the shield. It doesn't fall on an individual team. 20-plus teams are ready to show up. He moved the venue, and only eight were able to make it. He moved the venue three hours before the scheduled workout, and then was late to the workout himself. So, as a result, the folks who were there who viewed the workout, the scouts and everyone else, bump what you hear from Colin Kaepernick's camp. This is what you heard from those who were involved 
And the bottom line is it wasn't what Colin Kaepernick would have you believe it was. Saturday in Atlanta, Colin Kaepernick worked out for eight NFL teams at a high school after suddenly deciding to move his workout from the Falcons training facility. Following the workout, Kaepernick spoke to the media but did not take any questions. I've been ready for three years. I've been denied for three years. We all know why I came out here, showed it today in front of everybody. We have nothing to hide. So we're waiting for the 32 owners, the 32 teams, Roger Goodell, all of them to stop running. Stop running from the truth. Stop running from the people. We're out here. We're ready to play. We're ready to go anywhere. My agent, Jeff Nally, is ready to talk to any team. I interview with any team at any time. I've been ready. I'm staying ready. And I'll continue to be ready. We'll be waiting to hear from Roger Goodell, the NFL, the 32 teams. We'll let you know if we hear from them. Ball's in their court. We're ready to go. So he says the ball's in their yeah. court, that he's ready to go. But, Adam, I think there was a lot of shock yesterday yeah. in how all this went down, how quickly it happened. What really happened on Saturday? Well, let's give you a little bit of background here. Basically, Colin Kaepernick decided to shift the workout from the Falcons training complex really over one issue. He wanted to be able to film that workout, and the NFL declined to let him do that. He wanted to have what he believed was full transparency. The lack of trust between these two sides was evident in everything that occurred between them. And then later, after he canceled the NFL, then released a statement in part saying that Nike wanted to film a commercial, which Nike got upset about. And Nike called the NFL later and asked the NFL to retract a statement, which the NFL denied. So again, issues between Colin Kaepernick and the NFL. Nike brought into it, didn't want to be. He moves to the local area high school, throws the football the way he did. There were eight teams there in attendance. The eight teams there were the Chiefs, Jets, Eagles, Titans, Bills, 49ers, Redskins, and Lions. We'll see if that brings about anything. Yeah, and one thing the NFL certainly wanted to say is that they had the Atlanta Falcons video crew ready to go and tape a very, as you would a normal private workout, and they were going to distribute that to all 32 teams. 25 teams were going to show up originally, and then this last-minute shift reduced that to, to the, the number you reported. What I heard back from teams that kind of watched it on live stream or either were there was that it was it's not going to change anything. In other words, this workout didn't do anything to change minds. Let's face it, the guy hasn't played in three years. Last time he played was January 1st, 2017, opted out of his contract. He's been available as an unrestricted free agent for three years, and nobody has signed him. And that right there has been debated forever. And nobody expects any action coming out of this at this point. And, oh, by the way, teams have been free to bring him in any Tuesday they want or any time they want to try him out. So what happened yesterday that I heard from a personnel guy, actually two or three, was that didn't think he helped himself with the workout, period. And number two is the mess that it created just reinforced in their mind that he's not worth bringing in as a backup quarterback. So then what was the point? Why do all this? That's, uh, let's, listen, let's face it, the NFL PR to me, it, it, the whole thing to me was messy. I mean, it, it, that, and I think other teams thought it was messy, but they were going to cooperate the, with the commissioner's office, send people down there, do their due diligence. But if they had wanted to do their true due diligence, he would have been in for a tryout long before this. And people, I think teams knew that he could throw the football. That there was nothing they didn't see yesterday that they didn't already know. But this goes beyond him throwing the football, which is right where we are today with him still trying to find work. Yeah, it's a tough situation all around, and it seems like both sides have just dug in even further. The complicated thing is both sides can't be telling the truth. If you look at both statements, they conflict with each other, and that's the hard thing to figure out on the outside looking in is what's really going on. Well, Stephen A. Smith already had his own ideas after the workout of what was really going on. 
So let me get this straight. Colin Kaepernick has been working out all of this time. Him, people in this camp, his close ones, loved ones, everybody talking about he wants to play football. He wants to play football. He's ready to play. Just give him the chance. So what does the NFL do? Recognizing that teams need a shield because they need something to hide behind because they know that, guess what? If we bring this brother in for a workout and we don't like him or we don't want him, who knows what we're going to get accused of. We need cover. So the NFL provides that. I have no doubt Jay-Z's involved. I have no doubt Roger Goodell is involved. I have no doubt there's a host of people involved. But forget all of that. This man wanted a chance. 25 teams show up in Georgia at the Atlanta Falcons practice facility, state-of-the-art facility, NFL personnel, equipment, everything, video, everything. And what does Colin Kaepernick do? Not Tuesday when he found out about it, not Wednesday, not Thursday, not Friday, Saturday. Three hours before the workout. Because of some issue with a liability waiver. Colin Kaepernick wants to change the venue. Colin Kaepernick wants his own receivers. Colin Kaepernick wants to video things himself. Colin Kaepernick wants the media. This Colin Kaepernick, the media can't find him. He ain't done no interviews. He ain't talked to nobody. Media can't find him, but he wants to do it. He wants the media available now. You see? You see? He don't want to play. He wants to be a martyr. But guess what? It ain't working this time. All of us believe that Colin Kaepernick would have showed out. And if he had showed out, I'm here to tell you, I believe he would have had a job inside of two weeks. But it didn't happen because he didn't show. He wanted to show up to a high school in Georgia. Not an NFL facility, a high school. And then YouTube it live. Like the average Joe out there gets to decide if he's on the NFL roster. You don't want to work. You just want to make noise. And you want to control the narrative. It's over. Colin Kaepernick's aspiration in the NFL. For an NFL career. It's over. Talk to y'all Monday on first take. I personally can only hope that Stephen A. Smith is correct. The bottom line is what everyone know has known about Colin Kaepernick for at least two plus, two and a half years is the case. He can't play anymore. He's not good. He hasn't been good since before he opted out of his contract. And now when he had a chance to demonstrate that he could do something, he did nothing to change minds. He did nothing to change perceptions. He added no information that the NFL didn't already have. And he jerked everybody around in the process. No. He should be done. He should have already been done. But he should be done. And this sorry episode should be over. I'm going to turn this over to my good friend Ron Edwards. And after that, we'll be back with Hour 2 of Black Man Thinking. Thanks to President Trump, black and Hispanic unemployment is lower than ever before. So why aren't white liberals happy about that bit of good news? Hello, I'm 
Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. For decades, all the way back to the 1960s, liberal-slash-leftist white Americans have sought to make sure that black Americans understood it is the liberal-slash-leftist Democrats who care so much about black Americans and know what's best for them. Yet, the leftist policies of Democrat liberal leftists have literally destroyed the quality of life in every city and state where they dominate the political and education process. White Leftist liberals told black Americans they would fight to improve their quality of life, but the opposite has occurred. So along came President Trump, who enacted policies that availed much more than just promises. In fact, more jobs than ever before for black and Hispanic Americans. And now the leftist whites who promised black Americans everything but delivered only misery are on a mad mission to impeach 45 and destroy America from within. Mm, mm, mm. I'm... Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.talkspot.com for news updates and other great stuff. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five O. Breaking news this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. The Supreme Court shields President Trump's financial records from Democrats for now. The Supreme Court is giving President Donald Trump more time in separate battles with House Democrats and the Manhattan District Attorney for Trump's financial records. The high court has given Trump and his attorneys until December 5th to file a full appeal of a lower court ruling that calls for Trump's accountants to turn over the records. The House Committee on Oversight and Reform had sought the immediate release of the records, arguing the president's case was too weak for the court to grant a delay. The battle over the financial records is not part of the ongoing impeachment inquiry, but the court's action likely means the financial records will not be available to the House if it votes on impeachment before the end of the year. Mike Gracia, Washington. Meanwhile, a federal judge has ordered former White House counsel Donald McGahn to appear before Congress in a setback to President Trump's efforts to keep his top aides from testifying. The outcome could lead to renewed efforts by House Democrats to compel testimony from other high-ranking officials, including former National Security Advisor John Bolton. The Trump administration will appeal Monday's ruling. In the case of a convicted Navy SEAL, President Trump says he's backing the warriors. The president sparked a controversy when he pardoned a Navy SEAL accused of war crimes in Iraq. His action overruled military officials. Mr. Trump says he's committed to protecting the warriors. There's never been a president that's going to stick up for them and has like I have. Defense Secretary Mark Esper allowed Chief Petty Officer Edward Gallagher to retire with his SEAL status intact. He says he did so at the president's direction. Greg Clugston, the White House. Hong Kong leader Carrie Lam says she would seriously reflect on a stunning landslide victory by pro-democracy candidates in the local election that was a clear rebuke of how she handled violent protests that divided the semi-autonomous Chinese territory. More on these stories at townhall.com.
So, that's what she said. That's what she said. Hey, that's what she said. <laughs> Y'all, that is what she said. That's what she said with Jennifer Torres. Weekdays from 11 to noon. Hard hitting news with a happy ending. Mojo, Mojo, 5 You know what makes you feel really good about yourself? Doing something good for somebody else. If you'd like to do that today, go to JDRF.org. Join them in the fight against type 1 diabetes. JDRF.org. It's something good you can do for the world. JDRF.org. of Liberty. Three sassy conservatarian ladies talking politics. We know that all you want to do is take guns away from people. Don't be don't be dishonest. Pop culture. Valkyrie, she's yes. got a flying horse. She doesn't need Karen and the Karenettes, okay? And everything in between. So basically it's just people, schmucks like us sitting around a room like, you know what we could do? We can basically put up sunglasses around the earth, <laughs> and that will stop climate change. Join Rocky, Jaina, and me Saturdays at 2 p.m. Eastern for the all That's what she said. All right, ladies, let's wrap this up. I got to go work in the morning. Okay, we got to do it again because Sammy cut out. What the? <laughs> Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-452-1075. 800-452-1075. That's 800-452-1075. Radio as the founders intended. Mojo 5 I have a dream. One day, this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its dreams. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created in Black men thinking. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. Black men thinking. Anytime you throw your weight behind a political party that controls two-thirds of the government and that party can't keep the promise that it made to you during election time and you are dumb enough to walk around continuing to identify yourself with that party, you're not only a chump, but you're a traitor to your race. Black men thinking. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. Black men thinking. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Black men thinking, thinking, thinking.
Stanley Levy with Hour 2 of Black Man Thinking here on the vanguard of personal liberty, personal freedom, and personal responsibility, Mojo 50 Radio. Also, WDDQ Talk 92.1, FM in Valdosta, Georgia, WJHC Talk 107.5, North Florida Talk Radio, FreedomInAmericaRadio.com, and WLBB News Talk AM 1330 and FM 106.3 in Carrollton, Georgia. I want to reach back into the previous hour because I talked exclusively about issues with football that were more off the field than on and some might wonder why I do that to me football is quintessentially American there's nothing else in the world like football and it is part of American maleness it's part of the individual uh, rugged individualism shall we say that is America and I see it being feminized. I see it being made progressive. And I see in the case of the treatment of events with respect to Miles Garrett, I see racism. And, I, I'm, and I'm not above saying that. The interesting thing about the racism that I see, and I'll tell you exactly what it is, how is it that you punish Miles Garrett for swinging a helmet, but you don't punish the guy who tried to remove his helmet and kicked him and kicked him in the groin and then proceeded to pursue the fight until the helmet was swung at him how come he doesn't get any punishment at all it looks like now he might get fined and the difference between he and Miles Garrett are what one place quarterback one place defensive end okay the other difference Mason Rudolph is a white guy Miles Garrett, as well as Derek Pouncey and uh, Joseph, I believe it is, uh, Ogunjabi, are all black. Now, the interesting thing about the racial part of that is that the decision makers over this type of thing in the NFL, at least from what we know, they're primarily black. Troy Vincent and Derek Brooks and and uh, Mr. Thrash and some others and you're like, well, if, if black people are making a decision, it can't be racist. Oh, contraire. Black people trying to maintain high positions in a quote-unquote white environment or a white power structure, which the NFL has. That's not good or bad. It just is. Have a tendency to overcorrect. So, so that they make sure they don't look like they're favoring black people. Their initial take on what needs to happen was racist whether or not it was intentional the easiest way to correct that would have been to give the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers the same punishment that you gave the center who came to his aid they didn't do that the other thing you need to do is to get all these social justice warriors who are on ESPN and throughout other parts of sports media off the airwaves, of course that's not going to happen get all these women off the air talking about a game they'll never play which is football football is a game played by men intended to shape young men into something that society can use in other areas we don't do football that way anymore and that's a shame let me move on to the next subject the mayor of um, Washington, D.C., and if I remember correctly, her name is Muriel Bowser. 
has come up with the idea that she wants to inject low-cost housing into affluent neighborhoods in Washington, D.C. Now, this isn't voluntary. This is going to be dictated by the government. This is not much different than what Barack Obama tried to do with HUD back in, I think it was 2015, um, when it sought to regulate inequality in wealthy neighborhoods away. And the whole idea is, you know, we've had decades and centuries or whatever of racial uh, inequality, and the way to fix that is to make sure you put low-cost housing and also the people who are usually have a higher melanin content, either Hispanic or black, and move them into these into these uh, high high uh, price neighborhoods with their low cost housing. And oh, by the way, you have to make sure that the that the um, low cost the, the high cost housing people, the wealthy people, they need to stay in these neighborhoods. They can't they they can't run like Michelle Obama said. People were running uh, said white people were running from from blacks, even though in her telling of her tale she had to acknowledge that her family had run from had run away from black people to begin with well we're black we couldn't run yes you did run away you ran away from you ran away from those um, blacks who weren't doing as well who didn't have the same aspirations that you did and you moved to a different place where those blacks did not exist where you were running too and now you've run all the way to Martha's Vineyard and I don't see you trying to erect any low-cost housing there though your husband tried to push that nonsense into other people's neighborhoods. Well, Muriel Bowser took a um, page out of that book, and she's trying to do that in D.C. The, of course, the problem is, well, how do you? How is it that you tell people that they don't have the right to live where they want? Well, uh, you know, they, they can still they can still do this, but we just have to make sure there's more low cost. What if you don't want to live around low-cost housing because you don't want to be associated or you do not wish to associate closely with the type of people who generally populate low-cost housing? There's levels to this stuff. There's a reason why people are segregated in where they live. And there's a reason why money is one of the final and most lasting and definitive segregators. Because if you don't have the wherewithal to earn appropriately, then you don't have the same mindset as others who do. You go into low-cost housing, it's dirtier, messier. And it's not just because city services may not make it there. It's the people who live there who just don't seem to care that it is that way. And now you want to take those people and put them into other neighborhoods. This is going back to the socialism that we are trying to avoid, I thought, in this country. Because this is equalization of outcomes on a, on a, on a ridiculously high scale. Where you live, where you can afford to live, we're going to equal that out so that there are no really rich neighborhoods, there are no really poor neighborhoods. Everybody's in this thing in the middle 
which basically kills all incentive, by the way. Why should I bust my hump so I can put my family in a place where they can live a good life if as I do that, you're going to bring in some some mope who is over here talking about he's hoping to get a $15 an hour job and move him in right next to me and take my property values down. Why would I do that? Oh, you're just, you just don't like poor people. It has nothing to do with liking poor people. But if you're not poor, generally, you don't want to live around poor people. You don't want to live with them. Doesn't mean you don't want to help them. But I learned a long time ago, long time ago the first, way, first thing you do to help the poor is not be one of them. They don't need any more numbers. They don't need that kind of help. They need somebody to get out of poverty and then see if they can put an opportunity in front of them that they can possibly take advantage of. I digress. Because the real topic here is D.C. elected a black woman, a black female, and this is what she did to y'all. She's trying to basically integrate your neighborhood so that everybody, there are no rich people, there are no poor people, everybody's just mixed together in this pot in the middle, whether they want to be or not. The government is going to tell you where you can and cannot live. And they're going to do it in a way that you don't feel like it's individual. You just, you just find out there's regulations that say, well, only a certain number of these type of people can be here because we have to reserve other housing for someone. Really? So you don't have freedom of association because you're being told with whom you have to associate in your living space. Wow. When you look at that, I, it got me to thinking about some other examples. And if you're actually interested in individual liberty and freedom, I just have to ask the question, is there any more dumb decision that a municipality can make than to elect a left-leaning POC female to any public office of import. So I'm going to give you some examples. Back in 2003, then-Governor Jeb Bush of Florida appointed the good witch Dr. Brenda Snipes to be Broward County Supervisor of Elections. She was then elected and re-elected to that same position in 2004, 2008, 2012, and 2016. However, her <clears throat> screw-ups in office are numerous and legendary, including in the 2018 election. We kept finding that after the polls had closed, there were bags of votes in airports and churches that hadn't been counted. And I was like, well, where did they come from? Why would you be stashing votes all around the county? And who told you that it's appropriate to, stag, to stash a bag of votes in an airport? What, is, what are votes doing at a church that wasn't a polling center? Well, after that 2018 fiasco, 
which led to a recount. Um, the Florida governor at that time, Rick Scott, removed her from office. So that's one. Let's go to Baltimore. Baltimore elected Stephanie Rawlings Blake, that silly girl who told the police to stand down, while all those interesting people of color rioted and trashed the city of Baltimore, or at least parts of it. Baltimore also elected Marilyn Mosby to be state's attorney for Baltimore. That's the dummy who tried six cops for the death of Freddie Gray and got pimp slapped out of court on three of them, and she got slapped hard enough to say she didn't want to try the other three. She basically said she was going for justice, and she got bupkis. Well, for Freddie Gray, of course... The other woman, uh, Stephanie Rawlings Blake, gave his family more than $6 million. So I guess it didn't matter. I guess they, they couldn't get justice, but they got cash from the city. But not only did Marilyn Mosby not get those six cops convicted, and I don't think they should have been convicted. They should have never been charged, in my opinion. Right now, she's having trouble convicting anybody. How bad is it? Maryland's governor has directed the state attorney general to prosecute co- crimes in Mosby's jurisdiction because her conviction rate is so low. You think this... It keeps going. Um, Chicago. Chicago elected Kimberly Fox to be state's attorney for the uh, county of Cook, Cook County, Illinois. Did that in 2016. This is the woman who decided that she wasn't going to prosecute shot cop shooters. She didn't. She let them go. And more famously, she is the one who dropped all 16 of those felony counts against uh, Jesse Smollett, or for those Dave Chappelle fans, uh, Juicy Smollett. Um, and why do you do that? Suffolk County... Massachusetts, which includes Boston, elected Rachel Rollins district attorney in 2018, and she promptly stopped prosecuting a list of crimes, making this very interesting declaration. I represent not just the victim, but the defendant and the community. A prosecutor who represents the defendant. Okay, are you saying that there's no public defender office in uh, Suffolk County, Massachusetts. Why? Uh, your job is to prosecute crimes, not to, rep- not to represent those who commit them. Because if you're going to try to represent them, we have, we, have a, we have reason to believe that you're never going to charge them, which goes along with your originally not. Are you picking up a pattern here? There's also, it seems to be a DA in Houston doing the same thing. And now, as I said at the, at the beginning, we have this foolishness in the nation's capital. And I didn't even scratch the surface of talking about the idiocy of the Alexandria, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez coven that she calls a squad in D.C. And one of them is out there trying to um, legalize sex work. 
So you want to basically legalize and perpetuate and contribute to somebody's self-denigration and self-degradation so long as they're getting money for it. Wow. Here's the bottom line on this. You're going to be hard-pressed, hard-pressed to find examples of left-leaning POC females, people of color females. You're not going to find many, if any, left-leaning POC females who get high marks for their service in elected office. I just gave you all these examples. Do you think that these people are doing well? Let me make it real clear. Particularly when they get close to the criminal justice system, they are on the side of the criminals. How'd they get elected? You know what? Everybody's not that bright. And when I say that, because I said, you know, you're just not going to, you're making a mistake by electing any black or Hispanic female who is left of center. I'm just going to say it straight out. Why? They are almost without. They are almost without question. The demographic that has the least respect for or understanding of American values. They also have the least regard for law and order. And they don't give a rat's behind about excellence. Instead, they look to favor criminals over crime victims. And they want to favor wealth and income redistribution over hard work and achievement. And for me, this is this is the issue for me, being a black man. The people who get the least benefit from left-leaning black females holding elected office are heterosexual, law-abiding black men. They spend all their time on criminals. They spend all their time on homosexuality. They spend all their time on, in the case of some, illegal immigration, even though that doesn't even affect them, some of them where they are, or at least it's not their business. But they don't do anything for the black guy who's trying to make it in this world. They don't do anything for him. They taint elections. They give rioters and criminals free passes. They prosecute and discredit law enforcement, refuse to prosecute crimes, some of those crimes being felonies. They do all these things that impact homeowners, small businesses, and in the, and in the case of what's going on in D.C., you're looking to disrupt real estate markets. Now tell me how that helps a brother or any man of any color who's trying to make an honest living, run a successful business, or have his family enjoy the fruits of his labor. That is the question here. The proper response, in my view, it's my show, it's my opinion, the proper response to all this, whenever an election day rolls around and you see a black female with a D after her name, and you see they're on any ballot for any office, then get your behind up out the easy chair, off the couch, get over to the nearest voting precinct and vote against that woman 
er, do it like a Democrat. Vote, vote against her early and often, and one extra time if you're dead. If you can do that, then you can save yourself from being subjected to the foolishness of their ideas. Now, if you can't do that, I strongly recommend that you relocate out of that jurisdiction. There is nothing that you're going to get out of this. And I, I, I know it's coming. Stan, you just hate black females. I don't hate black females. I hate left-leaning black females. It's the left-leaning black females in America who are pro-abortion when, the, when black females have killed upwards of 18 million children already over the past four decades. The Klan could not dream of accomplishing in 150 years what black females accomplish in a week. Think about that for a minute. Black females kill 7,000 plus children a week. In 150 years, the Klan, I don't think, got to, even got to 5,000 black folks. And every one of them finds a way to lean left. And when you say leaning left, well, everybody's not, you think only Democrats have an abortion? I said, no. Left-leaning doesn't necessarily mean, that has nothing to do with political party. Left-leaning has, has something to do with whether or not you're just selfish enough to put your convenience over somebody else's life. Left-leaning females are the ones who basically tear down black women. Now, I'm talking about left-leaning black females. Tear down black men by advocating for, for homosexuality. Homosexuals don't need no advocates. They're not trying to do anything good. There's a whole bunch of black men who obey the law, who actually want to be with women, that need the support of women, and you can't get that from a left-leaning black female. doesn't happen. Particularly not if she's political, not and, and especially not if she's in office. She already figures you're good, so she's going to help those who are working against you. I'm going to get off this topic because I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk about the Democrat clown car, both versions. Stanley Levy, Black Man Thinking, we'll be back right after this. Hi, it's Doc Thompson for Matthew 25 Ministries. Matthew 25 Ministries is one of the few charities I'll actually endorse because I know them. I've worked with them. And I know almost all of the money that you donate goes to help people. Go to m25m.org. m25m.org. Hey, this is Daniel Fazina, host of Divine Intervention Radio, inviting you to join me every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern right here on Mojo 5 Divine Intervention is the interview show that features intriguing people who've experienced the hand of God in amazing ways. Divine Intervention, Sundays at 7 a.m. Eastern right here on your Mojo 5 Libertarian Talk Radio. Live free. I believe in miracles. 
Are you nearly maxed out on your credit cards? It doesn't matter if you're using your credit cards for fun or to survive. At the end of the month, your statements come in. And you can either pay them or you can't. If you can't, late fees and interest rates get tacked on. And now, you're struggling just to make the minimum payment due. Do you feel trapped? Am I talking to you? Good, because I personally researched some companies that can help you. They may be able to reduce your credit card balances by 50% and stop the late fees. If you qualify, please call our special debt hotline number right now for a complimentary free five-minute consultation. Deal with your credit card problem now before it gets much worse and put more money back in your pocket. Trust me, I've been there too. Call right now. 800-380-4293, 800-380-4293, 800-380-4293, 800-380-4293, that's 800-380-4293. Having an extra supply of food on hand is just smart. Some people call it prepping, I call it smart. You never know what's going to happen in this world. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com, you'll find out a lot of good reasons to have that food and some great prices. MyPatriotSupply.com. Undercut 
by the irregular efforts led by Mr. Giuliani. Did you ever try to wrest control of the irregular channel? I, I didn't try to wrest control of the irregular channel uh, do that. Um, at the time, when I... Well, why, not, why not, though, if you, if you because, have these concerns? Because, Mr. Castro, uh, at the time, both channels were interested in having a meeting mm -hmm. between President Zelensky and President Trump. New leaders, particularly countries that uh, are trying to uh, ha have good footing in the international arena, uh, see a meeting with the U.S. President in the Oval Office at the White House as, a, as the ultimate sign of endorsement and support from the United States. It's one thing to try to leverage a meeting in the White House. It's another thing, I thought, um, to leverage security assistance, security assistance to a country at war. You also said that more Ukrainians would undoubtedly die without U.S. assistance. Why is that? This assistance um, it allows the Ukrainian military to deter further incursions by the Russians uh, against, their own, against Ukrainian territory. In your deposition, you said this, and you said it again the first hour of the majority. My clear understanding was security assistance money would not come until President Zelensky committed to pursue the investigation. Now, with all due respect, Ambassador, your clear understanding was obviously wrong because it didn't happen. President Zelensky didn't announce he was going to investigate Burisma or the Bidens. Ambassador, you weren't on the call, were you? The president, you didn't listen on President Trump's call and President Zelensky's call? I did not. You never talked with Chief of Staff Mulvaney? I never did. You never met the president? That's correct. This, this is what I can't believe. And you're their star witness. You're their first witness. Mr. You're Jordan. the guy. You're the guy based on this. Based on, I mean, I've seen, I've seen church prayer chains that are easier to understand than this. Mr. Kent, are you a never-Trumper? I am a career non-professional who serves whatever president is duly elected and carries out the foreign policies of that president in the United States, and I've done that for 27 years for three Republican presidents and two Democrat presidents. Ambassador Taylor, are you a never-Trumper? No, sir. In this impeachment hearing today where we impeach presidents for treason or bribery or other high crimes, where is the impeachable offense in that call? Are either of you here today to assert there was an impeachable offense in that call? Shout it out. Anyone? Mr. Ratcliffe, if I can just respond, let me just reiterate that I'm, I'm not here. I've got one here. minute left. I, I know, let, let, I know let, you only have a minute left. I've just got 30 seconds. You asked the witness a question. I'll withdraw question. the question. Let me and, just and make and this And I'm not point. here to take the one side or the other. Mr. Ratcliffe, I would just like to say that I'm not here to do anything having to do with uh, to decide about impeachment. That is not what either of us are here to do. This is, this is your job. What in the blue blazes was any of that about? Um... It was Adam Schiff at the beginning of this audio who talked about Russian invasion in the 2016 election. I'm sorry, Mr. Schiff, maybe you missed the Mueller report and his testimony before Congress that there was no collusion, that Donald Trump didn't have anything to do with Russia and the 2016 election, whatever interference they had, they, they did. So what are you chasing? And they call in a career foreign service officer, Mr. Taylor, who admits regarding the thing that he is testifying about, he has not spoken to anybody. He didn't even hear the call. But he's here to tell you whether or not something bad happened on the call. Talked about in a regular uh, foreign policy channel that he didn't seek to do anything about even though he thought it was he thought it was irregular 
is your witness? This is? And you heard the Republicans mocking the Democrats for their decision and calling into question the gentlemen who were now before them. This is what you, this is what you really need to understand. This is a joke. It's a bad joke. Instead of debating legislation about which the American people might care, what about infrastructure? I'm not a fan of any in, um, involvement by the federal government in, in health care or in health insurance, but you could at least be talking about that. That would be more productive than you talking about this, which is nothing and going nowhere. Well, they're going to impeach him. And if they do, the electorate is watching. And if they do, the Senate is likely not going to do anything other than say, well, this is very nice. We're going to, we're going to acquit the president and move on. And then the Democrats have done, have, have done what? That was day one. Wow. On day two, there was a Republican from New York, uh, a Ms. Stefanik, who decided to expose some comments by the chairman, Adam Schiff, regarding a witness whom everybody told they were going to hear from. Quite agree. Uh, Representative Stefanik. Thank you. Since the chairman has gaveled out all of my colleagues with their unanimous consent, I am going to read for the record many of the chairman's comments uh, in September of the importance of hearing from the whistleblower. Again, Ambassador, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your service. But since we haven't been able to conduct ourselves in normal procedures, I'm just going to use the five minutes for this. September 29th in the Wall Street Journal, quote, the whistleblower at the center of the impeachment investigation of President Trump will testify in the House very soon. This is a quote by the chairman. USA today, September 29th. Talking with ABC News this week, Schiff, the Democrat who chairs the House Intelligence Committee, said the whistleblower would testify very soon, and the only thing standing in the way was getting security clearances for the attorneys representing the whistleblower so they could attend the testimony. From Vox, September 29th, Rep. Adam Schiff said Sunday the whistleblower at the center of a growing scandal surrounding President Donald Trump will testify before the House Intelligence Committee very soon. On CNN, September 29th, Schiff said Sunday on ABC as well as NBC's Meet the Press that he expects the whistleblower to testify very soon. The Washington Post, September 29th. In an appearance on ABC News this week, Schiff echoed Pelosi's message. He also said he expected the Intelligence Committee to hear from the whistleblower very soon, pending a security clearance from Acting Director of National Intelligence Joseph McGuire. In the Huffington Post, Schiff told ABC's this week that he expects the whistleblower to appear before this committee very soon. In the New York Post, quote, we'll get the unfiltered testimony of that whistleblower. In the Washington Times, quote, that whistleblower will be allowed to come in. These are all quotes from Chairman Adam Schiff. In Talking Points Memo, the question was posed, actually this was by George Stephanopoulos, have you reached an agreement yet with the whistleblower and his or her attorneys about coming before the committee and providing the information firsthand? Quote, yes we have, Schiff responded, and as DNI McGuire promised during the hearing, that whistleblower will be allowed to come in and come in without a minder from the Justice Department or from the White House to tell the whistleblower what they can and cannot say. We'll get the unfiltered testimony of that whistleblower. In Daily Coast, we're ready to hear from the whistleblower as soon as that is done, and we'll keep obviously riding shotgun to make sure that the acting director doesn't delay in that clearance process. In CNBC, we'll get the unfiltered testimony of that whistleblower. In Market Watch, House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff said Sunday that an agreement has been reached under which the whistleblower will testify before the committee very soon. 
I can keep going, but again, the chairman refused to uh, allow us to put these into the record with unanimous consent. So I've read those out, and as we know, it is important to protect whistleblowers from retaliation and from firing, and we want to make sure whistleblowers are able to come forward. But in this case, the fact that we are getting criticized by Chairman Adam Schiff for statements that he himself made early on in this process shows the... Summarize that for you. We're supposed to hear from the whistleblower, which is why we're all here in the first place. It was because the president on a July 25th call with the newly elected president of the Ukraine supposedly said something that was terrible, wrong, and uh, uh, impeachable, and that somebody overheard it and blew the whistle, and then and we're supposed to be hearing about that. And all of a sudden now, after you got the inquiry going, you're not going to talk to the guy who supposedly is the whistleblower. There's more than one, I thought. None of them are going to testify? What kind of a joke is this? This was from the second, second day of the inquiry. And a much was made of uh, former Ambassador Yovanovitch. Y- I believe that's her name and what it is that she knew and how the president had disgraced her and removed her and and smeared her reputation but of course the hearing isn't about the former ambassador it's about what the uh, president did i just want to call your attention to what the woman said when asked direct questions about the president's criminal behavior that uh, statement i would now feel compelled to ask you Madam Ambassador, as, as you see it here before us, very simply and directly, do you have any information regarding the President of the United States accepting any bribes? No. Do you have any information regarding any criminal activity that the President of the United States has been involved with at all? No. Has the President taken any bribes, Ambassador? No. Uh, Ambassador, has the President engaged in any criminal behavior at all? No. There's a follow-up question in my mind. Why are you here? What are you here to say if the president committed no crime, if the president did not accept any bribes? Why are you here? Why are any of them there? It's a clown car. And you have to remember the reason this clown car is put in motion is related to the next clown car that I will talk about, but the reason this clown car is put in motion is as Representative Al Green, he of Trump impeachment obsession, has said, I'm afraid if we don't impeach him, then he'll get reelected. So the only reason they're trying to impeach Donald Trump is because they don't believe that they can beat him in an election. Now, I remember the current majority leader in the Senate being criticized because he said he wanted to make Barack Obama a one-term president. I don't recall him making the effort to get the president impeached. Ever. I don't recall the Republicans, once they took the House majority in 2010, during the first midterm of the Obama administration that they had gone that they wanted to go out and impeach the president lest he be reelected. Well, Barack Obama didn't lie as much as Donald Trump. Stop kidding yourself. 
Uh, he wasn't as corrupt as Donald Trump. Stop kidding yourself. Obamacare is the most corrupt thing to come down the legislative pike in my lifetime. They didn't go after him because that's not the way you deal with things. It's a clown show trying to get rid of a duly elected president. Bless their little dark hearts. The other clown car, the related clown car, is <laughs> the Democrat presidential nomination process for the 2020 election. They had a debate. There's going to be another one, I believe, this week coming up, uh, Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Wednesday the 20th. But they had one back on uh, September, back in September. Guardian News went in and put a what they what, put together what they called a highlight reel of what happened during that debate. Y- you need to hear this. They're going to give back that money to the employee. Matter of fact, they will. Well, let me tell you something. For a socialist, you got you, for a socialist, you got a lot more confidence in corporate America than I do. You got to defend the fact that today, not only do we have 87 million people uninsured and underinsured, you got to defend the fact that 500,000 Americans are going bankrupt. You know why they're going bankrupt? Because they suffered a terrible disease, cancer, or heart disease. Under my legislation, people will not go into financial ruin because they suffered with a diagnosis of cancer. And our program is the only one that does that. We know Donald Trump's a racist, but there is no red bag of courage for calling him that. Houston, we have a problem. This, we have a guy there that is literally running our country like a game show. He would rather lie than lead. President Trump. You've spent the last two and a half years full-time trying to sow hate and division among us, as, and that is why we've got nothing done. You have used hate, intimidation, fear, and over 12,000 lies as a way to distract from your failed policies and your broken promises. The only reason you've not been indicted is because there was a memo in the Department of Justice that says a sitting president cannot be charged with a crime. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. I'm listening to the people of this country. The day after I proposed doing that, I went to a gun show in Conway, Arkansas, to meet with those who are selling AR-15s and AK-47s and those who are buying those weapons. And you might be surprised there was some common ground there. Folks who said, I would willingly give that up, cut it to pieces. I don't need this weapon to hunt, to defend myself. It is a weapon of war. So let's do the right thing, but let's bring everyone in America into the conversation, Republicans, Democrats, gun owners, and non-gun owners alike. Make a point, Congressman, thank you. I want to bring in Senator... I believe that what unites us up here, the ten of us, is much stronger than what divides us. And I think that's true of our country, too. He handled what happened in his hometown is meaningful. But look in the eyes of those people, to see those kids, to understand those parents, to understand the heartache. We are ready to do this. You said they would have to buy in. Are you forgetting what you said a minute ago? You said just two minutes ago? I mean, I can't believe that you said two minutes ago that they had to buy in, and now you're saying they don't have to buy in. You're forgetting that. As a citizen and voter of the United States, I'm listening to all that, trying to find something that I would even consider supporting. 
Bernie Sanders comes close by saying, well, you know, we got 500,000 Americans who are facing bankruptcy because they had cancer or some other terrible disease. And I'm like, okay. We got to come up with money. Where's the money coming from, Bernie, to keep them from going into bankruptcy? Help me out with that. Where, where, where's it coming from, Bernie? He doesn't have a clue. He's been well. Actually, he does. He's going. He's going to roll back all the tax uh, re, um, tax cuts, put more taxes on people, which means he's going to cause the economy to grind back to a uh, to a halt even more than it was under Obama. And then when the when the government has no more money, he's going to borrow more money, and he's going to he's going to probably double the debt in four years, um, like Obama did in eight years. And then, of course, the United States collapses financially, and then the socialists have their have their wish. And you uh, you heard Mr. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't even remember his name. He was a secretary under um, under Obama, but he's basically taking Joe Biden to task for being old and senile. I can't remember what you said two minutes ago. Huh? Okay, and the crowd the crowd knew what he was doing. And then, of course, there was Beto O'Rourke talking about, we're going to take your gun. Oh, we're going to take, and I heard the people, we're going to take your gun. Yeah. You know who I didn't hear in that clip? That she was on the stage. And that was Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> you know who else I don't recall hearing from? I don't think I heard from him. And that was Pete Buttigieg. Uh, Mayor Pete. Interestingly, CNBC had this report on the 13th of November regarding what's going on in the uh, as for who as for the seating arrangements in the uh, Democrat nominating clown car. Pete Buttigieg surged to the top spot in Iowa. So our Kayla Tal, she's looking at what his economic policies might look like. Hey, Kayla. Hey, Carl. Well, election headlines in the last week centered on a potential entrance by Mike Bloomberg. Another mayor, Pete Buttigieg, has been quietly on the rise in Iowa, chipping away at moderate support for Vice President Biden and in a poll this week, taking the lead from Senator Elizabeth Warren. According to Monmouth, 22 percent of likely Democratic voters in Iowa back Buttigieg, 19 percent Biden, followed by Senators Warren and Sanders at 18 and 13 percent. It's the second poll in two weeks showing Buttigieg above Biden after last week's Quinnipiac poll showed Biden in fourth Mayor Pete in second, one point behind Warren. The shifts in the Iowa leaderboard are important for two reasons. First, its caucus on February 3rd is the country's first primary snapshot, but also because in eight of the last 10 presidential races, the candidate who won Iowa went on to become the Democratic Party's nominee. Buttigieg is betting the party wants a candidate slightly left of Biden, but not nearly as progressive as Warren. He's proposed free state school tuition for families earning less than $100,000 and forgiveness in debt from for-profit colleges. He'd fund the $1.5 trillion Medicare expansion he's proposing by rolling back the corporate tax cut. The remaining $600 billion on his total $2.1 trillion economic plan would be funded by a tax on unrealized capital gains for the top 1% of earners. As for the mayor's campaign finances, he ended the third quarter with $23.4 million cash on hand. That's less than the progressives, but, Courtney, it's more than double what the vice president had. So the guy leading in Iowa on the Democrat side is a not very effective mayor of a small town in the Midwest. He's in the lead. Guy you've never heard of before. Guy who's done nothing. 
except me, part of their diversity uh, machine. He's he's uh, he's homosexual, openly so. And of course, the American people want a homosexual president. Well, they already had a homosexual president. Barack Obama was homosexual. He just didn't tell anybody he was homosexual. That's that was the whole issue with uh, the good. Mr. Obama. He didn't want anybody to know that he was homosexual. He didn't tell anybody. By the way, um, Liz Warren, who is up there, as you said, you know, Buttigieg had a good had a good quarter. He has less money than the progressives, which would be Liz Warren and uh, Bernie Sanders. Well, I don't know where her money's coming from, but I know where it's not going to be coming from for much longer. New story up right now on CNBC.com. Wall Street and big business Democrats out with a big warning for their own party, namely that they are willing to sit out the presidential campaign fundraising cycle or back the president if Senator Elizabeth Warren wins the nomination. CNBC's Brian Schwartz has that story, joins us now from headquarters. So I don't think you're naming any names in this story, Brian, but tell us a little more about the kind of people you're talking about and what the fear is here with Warren. Well, yeah, thanks for having me on. I, you know, we, we've been working on this story for a few weeks and engaging with people on Wall Street. Uh, these are people who work at uh, the big banks. Uh, these are people who work in private equity and hedge funds on Wall Street in the finance uh, community. And they really are kind of sounding the alarm bells here uh, with uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren as she surges in the polls. And what they were telling us privately at a variety of different you know, in- encounters, meetings, is that uh, they, are, it, it, they are planning, uh, at least at this point, if she goes ahead and captures this nomination over people like uh, former Vice President Joe Biden, uh, they are saying that they are threatening to sit out the election and not help her with fundraising or even go as far as potentially helping President Trump. And those are just some pretty bold words coming from people who are leaders on Wall Street, people who have a ton of pull in the finance community. And you can make it even a finer point here. These are Democrats or people who lean in the Democratic Party, lean toward the Democratic Party. Or they've been involved with fundraising for years. And that's what they're saying. And clearly their concern uh, with Warren surging. She's been a very uh, you know, vocal critic of the big banks and the finance community as a whole. She's got a ton of plans out saying how she's going to regulate them in some way, shape, or form if she does become president. All those plans are online. We also listed them on CNBC.com in the story that we wrote today. And that's kind of where we're at at this point from Wall Street and how they're looking at Elizabeth Warren making her way up the polls and almost virtually tied Brian, with Joe Biden. I just wonder if it matters. I mean, is the money for her coming from somewhere else? Well, that's, uh, is she taking it from lobbyists? I know she's kind of campaigning well, against that, but well, she, I know you've written in the past about how she takes it. Well, she had she has taken money from lobbyists in the past, but and she has. But on the other hand, you know, she has this pledge out, right, that says that she's not going to be involved with any big money fundraisers, any big money donors. But that only goes up until the primary. And the question is for her. Uh, is this going to matter for her, that, that type of pledge, if she goes on, wins the primary, gets in the general election against President Trump, who has a juggernaut of a fundraising operation with a ton of donors from all walks of uh, different industries who are very wealthy people? He is ahead in that, it, really, on all facets on that side. So one could argue she may need people from Wall Street, but on the other hand, she's doing very well with grassroots donors. So we're going to have to see how big of an impact this threat or this you know, walkout from Elizabeth Warren, how much of an impact that will have on her if she goes on and wins, wins the nomination. Brian, thanks very much. Thank uh, do check out Brian's story online, cnbc.com. Wow. So one of the top people in the crack clown car, the donors have said if she starts driving, we're out. And as for um, Beto O'Rourke, who got the big cheers about taking guns, uh, he dropped out of the race, which caused the uh, president to call him a poor illegitimate child or words to that effect 
and that he, um, you know, he used to be a hot political property, and now he's gone. Guys, the Democrats don't have any policies. They don't have any prescriptions. They don't have anything to move America forward in a positive direction or to keep America going in a positive direction. They simply have no ideas. And to be honest, their only you know their own their only election strategy for twenty twenty is to impeach Donald Trump and hope that makes so many people find him so odorous that they will elect any Democrat that comes along just because they're not Donald Trump. That's their that's their strategy. If you allow that to prevail, then you know obviously you get you're gonna get what you deserve. My guess is that the American people are not looking to do that and they would more than like they would rather elect reelect this president than go off into the quite interesting and empty rhetoric and non policies of the Democrat Party. And that's our show. May God bless and God keep you. That's always my prayer. Take care of yourself and the ones whom are dear to you. And I hope to speak with you next week if the Lord says the same. Do take care. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five-O. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.